Hello, and welcome to So You Think You Can Rule Persia, the podcast where we rate and review all the kings of Persia from Diochis to Yazdegerd the Third. I'm Serial, and my pronouns are they, them. And I'm Umberto, and my pronouns are he, him. Hello, and welcome to episode 25. Quarter of a hundred. That's a lot of episodes. Unbelievable. Yes, and this is the episode on Seleucus III, also known as Seleucus III Karaunos, which means the Thunderbolt. Ooh, that's fun. Yeah. It's the same nickname that the Ptolemy that killed the first Seleucus had, but... Oh, so we're copying This time it's in our hands, yes. We're no longer original. I mean, I don't know if we were ever original. We usually go with, like, the victorious, the great, the merciful. Yeah, I mean, you know. Still, Lightning is a cool yeah. name. Weird one to repeat, I guess. I guess, yeah. Why? Is there like a legend with lightning falling on him or something? It's actually kind of unclear. It looks like it's more of a personality thing. Because it could either be due to his ambition in his life that we're going to see. Or due to his personality being more loud and ambitious like Ptolemy Karaunos. Which I had see. this sort of... Uh, very brash personality. Well, can you catch me up on what happened last time? Because I was yes. going through it. I was actually talking about it with a friend because they were asking how were the last, you know, <laughs> regions that we had. Right. <laughs> how is it going? <laughs> the last kings that we've ranked. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, it's been a mess. Like some of them did okay, <laughs> but then like <laughs> things up again. Some others... Tried their best, but the situation wasn't, you know, in their favor. They keep making the same mistake of not naming a successor, which doesn't help. Yeah, we've been victims of a steady decline (laughs) where things have not been going great. I feel like Antiochus the first did all right, and then Antiochus the second and Seleucus the second has been... uh... The first edition of Seleucus Antiochus pack did a good job. Second edition, not as great. Yes, right. I, the Gen 2 Seleucus and Antiochus weren't as good as Gen 1. But, but yeah. for really, like, strange reasons, to, like, either because of their own ambition to, like, instead of focusing on the empire that they do have, wanting to expand when they can't even take care of the parts that they yeah. have. Otherwise, personal ambition, like, I don't want my successor to succeed me before I die, kind of things. It's just, why? <laughs> yeah, they could a lot have done of things so could much have been better. better managed, but eh, you know. So let's just quickly recap what happened last episode with Seleucus II. Yes. So if you remember, there was a whole succession issue between Seleucus II and Antiochus, child of Berenike, who was yes. related to the Ptolemies and all that. Who didn't As a consequence last of this, because the yeah. baby was mysteriously disappeared. Yeah, it happens. So what happened is that Ptolemy III then rushed in, sacked Syria, Mesopotamia, took over Babylon, essentially made some of the bits in the east break off and become independent. He returned home to Egypt and Seleucus II had to sort of retake things bit by bit. And when he was forced to make a peace with Ptolemy, he had to give away the graves of Seleucus I and Antiochus I and the port of Antioch in the same city which Mm. was a not great, kind of humiliating. Then Seleucus II's brother made himself independent in Anatolia, Antiochus Hyrax. 
And Seleucus II tried to kick him out, but no, failed, so he accepted that Anatoly was lost. Then he moved to the east, got defeated by the Parthians, who are this new nomadic people that have moved into where parts of the empire used to be. Mm-hmm. So Seleucus II was defeated there. Then his brother Hyrax lost his kingdom in Anatolia and was forced to flee towards Mesopotamia, where he was defeated and eventually died far, far away. Sadness. And we left off where Seleucus II was preparing this big old expedition to try and retake Anatolia for the empire. But he fell off his horse and died. Right, I forgot. Where we remained. <laughs> I forgot about his very anticlimactic death. Yes. But if you remember, he had two sons, the two remaining Seleucids in the world. Right. One of which is Antiochus, who was the youngest, who was left in control of Babylon at 16. Mm hmm. And the other one was called Alexander, who was 18 years old and was following his dad in the army. Right, yes. We had some hopes on Alexander. Yes. So you were very concerned that we didn't have a King Alexander this round. Yeah. But I'm going to calm you straight away because Alexander Does he becomes just change his king. Name? He just decides, yeah, he just decides ah, to call himself Seleucus because... Yeah. I see. To honor his... So no need for concern. Father, I guess. Yeah. His father or presumably Seleucus I who yeah. managed to <laughs> do things properly. Who did better. <laughs> yeah. His great-grandfather, we'll then. Great-grandfather or great-great-grandfather? Yeah, great-grandfather. It's been father-to-son successions all this time, so that's surprisingly stable for the trash fire we've been dealing with. <laughs> True. Okay, so let's get started with our Seleucus III Karaunos. So Seleucus was born in 243, and as we mentioned, he had the name of Alexander, presumably in the hopes of a glorious future. Seleucus II didn't get his wish too much, but eh, that's uh, yeah. not great. Then for his first years of youth, we don't really hear much from him, presumably because he was a child and it was wartime throughout, so he didn't really have much to contribute. Hmm. He was just sitting around, presumably learning from his dad and trying to figure out how the world works. Right. And that is when, at the ripe old age of 18, he managed to follow his father on campaign. His father fell off a horse and died, so congratulations, <laughs> you're king now. Lovely. I hope you know what you're doing. Panic. <laughs> yeah, kind of an issue. I mean, I don't know, maybe he really wanted to be king. I don't, I don't know him. No, could be. Maybe he had a whole Lion King thing about, I just can't wait to be king. Yeah. Maybe. But, yeah, the other personality thing that we know of him from this time is that for some reason he enjoyed putting flour in his wine uh, not sure why why do we sounds first like a of weird all, thing to why, do but... why are you just eating raw flour what is wrong with you second of all uh, why do we know this uh this is from one of those weird historians where there's like half a fragment and the only fragment we have is that yes this king liked to put flour in his wine there we go. Uh, so, not sure why, but somebody had an interest in this. So there we go. I see. And yeah, why he'd do that? No clue. It maybe makes it less diluted, absorbing the water? I don't know. But it would also absorb the I'm wine. A... I don't think flour... But maybe it doesn't absorb the alcohol as much. I don't know, man. <laughs> it's very complicated. <laughs> I am confused. If anybody does this, please tell us why. Don't know. 
But yeah, so now Seleucus is king. He has changed his name from Alexander to Seleucus because, well, we know that we can't have more than two names in this dynasty. Mm -hmm. This is how things have to be. So there we go. So as his first job as king is to secure the empire because he has his brother who has a claim to taking over the empire and since his uncle tried to overthrow his father wants to make sure that there's no more brotherly backstabbing oh, going no. on maybe they could get along i don't know For i mean once. he's trying to make it get along yeah he actually sends a letter to his brother saying oh. hey looks like you're doing a good job in babylon there haven't been any rebellions things seem stable there i'm confirming How you, you as up? my viceroy yeah, yeah. Keep it up in this region while I'm off in campaign in Anatolia. You take care of that. See you in a few years when I'm done with Anatolia. <laughs> so that's nice. I mean, his brother's only 16 in charge of one of the most important regions of the empire. Oh, I thought you said 18. His brother's 16. Seleucus he... is 18. Oh, so look, I thought Seleucus was 19. I don't know why. My numbers are all messed up. <laughs> no, they're still very young. Yeah, they're the both teenagers. This. Okay, this is great. I'm sure yeah. there it won't be a problem. Yeah. Also, you know, they're also a bit young to have any heirs, so that's uh -huh. an issue. We're risking the Achaemenid situation where the main line dies out. I'm sure people will be like, oh, let's just wait until they do have heirs. Yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be cool. Yeah, exactly. Make sure until they have adult heirs who know how to take over and everything will be yeah. cool. Of course. So great. Okay, but now that we've sort of stabilized things, let's look at his battle plans in the West. So there are two directions in the West he has to look at. Mm. So the first one is retaking the Syrian cities that were under the control of the Ptolemies. Because that was really humiliating. It's unsafe yeah. to have your capital at a stone's throw from your enemy. I remember Let's this. make sure everything is reorganized. Because, oh no, everything is on fire. This was Seleucus the Great Victory Man, yeah? Yes, yeah, Seleucus yeah. II, yeah, Seleucus Great Victory. Him. Mm. So that's one item on his checklist. The second item on his checklist is to retake Anatolia. Because, as we saw last time, Anatolia is under the control of the Kingdom of Pergamon, which just took over Anatolia from Hyrax. So they haven't really consolidated everything, and they're weak enough that... If we try and strike at them, we should be able to reconquer all the land relatively quickly and not have right. to go city by city. There's Sounds probably good. still loyalists around. So, awesome. Let's head over to Anatolia. So first of all, let's have a look at what is in Anatolia now, because basically it exploded under Antiochus I, and now it's just been continuously combusting for the past oh. century or so. Fun. So, let's see. Let's look at the map of Anatolia. So... If we look at the westernmost section, basically the one that's across the sea from Greece, we have those dozens of little Greek city-states along the coast. They're all independent or semi-independent, depending on how close they are to somebody who's threatening. Mm -hmm. And also it's important to know that a lot of these tiny little cities are under the control of the Ptolemies. Because okay. after their victory in the last war, they've used their massive fleet to take control of a lot of these coastal territories. Then instead, if we look at the center of Anatolia, we see the Galatians who are still around. So if you remember, they arrived around 50 years ago. They're the descendants of the Celts that came down across the Danube. Mm -hmm. And they were settled there since Antiochus I. And in this recent time, they've mainly been mercenaries. So they've served Hyrax, 
when he revolted against uh, Seleucus II, and they're basically up for grabs in their loyalty. As long as you have enough, enough money, you can ensure that the Galatians are on your side. That's usually how mercenaries work, yes? Yeah, basically. Then, if we look at the northwest of uh, Galatia, which is basically the bit that connects to Byzantium and crosses into Europe, there's a kingdom of Bithynia, which was one of the first kingdoms to revolt after the death of Seleucus I. And their main strategy so far has been playing powers against each other to try and keep independent against the larger empires all around, as you would. And they've quite often made use of the Galatians for their mercenary armies. So they're the ones that invited the Galatians over in the first place and sort of had them And then they didn't leave. They <laughs> forgot to pay them and then it was like, oh, well, I guess we're living here now. You don't, again, but th- just like <laughs> being an emperor or like having a successful empire 101, which because I am an expert on this, clearly, I have so much experience managing empires. Rule number one, <laughs> do not leave your empire without an heir. Like, yes. just appoint an heir while you're still living so there's no problems later. <laughs> Rule number two, pay your mercenaries. <laughs> yes, always pay your mercenaries, please, if you don't want to get killed or cause trouble. Uh, so, yeah. So, that's the issue. And at the moment, Bithynia is aligned with the Ptolemies because they're currently leading that area of the sea, but they're also somewhat closely aligned with the Seleucids, because Hyrax married a princess of Bithynia, so they can be won over, potentially, if Seleucus does a good job. So we'll see how that goes. Then if we move further east on the northern coast of Anatolia, we find the kingdom of Pontus, which was basically created by one of the many semi-independent satraps during Darius III's reign. It was one of those places that Alexander didn't go through, so it just decided to keep doing its own thing, essentially. And Pontus's rival is Bithynia. And since Bithynia is more on the Ptolemaic side, Pontus is more on the Seleucid side. So we can count on them a little bit more. Although they're not exactly going to stick their neck out for us if they don't have to. So there's Pontus. Then if we look to the south of Pontus and east of Galatia, we have the kingdom of Cappadocia. Mm -hmm. which is another of these satrapies that broke off and did its own thing. And Cappadocia seems to be the one that is tied most closely to the Seleucids because, well, they're the ones that are geographically closer to them. And also, the king of Cappadocia is married to Seleucus's aunt. So the king of Cappadocia is allowing Seleucus's armies to march through his territory to get into the heart of Anatolia Mm -hmm. and fight his enemies. Speaking of his enemies, the last large power in Anatolia is the Kingdom of Pergamon, which, you know, it was a tiny city-state that rebelled against Antiochus I, and he just gave it up because he was tired. Oh yeah, I remember this. Yeah, but since Hyrax wasn't super competent, they managed to just basically yoink all of Anatolia from him and make it into their own kingdom. So there we go. That wasn't ideal. That was kind of troublesome. So Seleucus decides... Having looked at the situation, he sees, okay, Cappadocia's our friend, we can use them to enter Anatolia, we can probably pay the Galatians enough to help us fight the people of Pergamon. Probably? What do you mean probably? Can can you pay or can't you pay? Listen. Well, you know, the center of the kingdom has been sacked for a while, we'll see how much they ask, and then 
<laughs> we'll see if it's a fair bargain. After they've worked for you? I don't think this is going to work well. Yeah, we can see how that goes. Uh-huh. <laughs> but the good news is that Seleucus has an experienced general at his hands. He has a man called Achaeus who was basically related to Arcelucus in two ways, one more likely, one less likely. Mm. So first of all, he is Seleucus's uncle through his mother. So he's related to that side of the family. That way, Seleucus's mother, Laodike, is the sister of this Achaeus. Okay. And secondly, this Achaeus is the grandson of the first Achaeus, who some say was the son of Seleucus I. Uh, okay. So this is kind of messy, but it was somehow either a distant cousin of Seleucus, of our Seleucus the third. Mm-hmm. Maybe he was a distant cousin, but he was definitely his uncle okay. via Seleucus's mother. So a bit messy, but he is tied to family somehow. So he has that grounds for loyalty. We'll believe this. Yeah. <laughs> the good news is that Achaeus's family was basically who was in control of Anatolia before all the civil wars got messy. So they have a lot of family connections in the area, and they know a lot of the local landowners, and -hmm. they also have a personal vested interest in retaking these lands so they can regain their territory and their position. Right. So Achaeus is helping Seleucus lead this army, and he's basically pulling Mm -hmm. all the strings, all the different contacts he has in Anatolia. So, after a couple of years of preparation, in 223, Seleucus declares war on King Attalus of Pergamon, and he marches off into Anatolia through his allies. Mm-hmm. We're not sure how it goes in detail, unfortunately, because of the sources and uh-huh. stuff. Yeah. But what we know is that the war didn't go very well. Oh, oh no. Oh, well. Because we don't really get reports of Galatians fighting with him, so either he ran out of money early enough that the Galatians didn't fight with him, or he didn't have it in the first place and he just gave up and hoped for the best that his own men would do. But this didn't go very well. So Seleucus actually tried to sort of gather a council of his greatest generals to try and understand how to organize this war, how to come back from this, because, Mm. well, you don't want to permanently lose Anatolia. If Pergamon can consolidate, everything is a mess. So Seleucus tried to call on these people, and it seems there's discontent rising in the army. It's not super clear what happens next, but at some point, he is offered a drink by a Galatian man and one of his officers. So he is offered a toast, and Seleucus takes it from his loyal men, of course. He has a drink, he coughs, he coughs again, Oh no! and he dies. Oh god. Wait, <laughs> what? I... Yep. <laughs> I, I, I blinked and I missed it. What ha- What? Please repeat. <laughs> yep. Is that it? Yep, the war went badly, and some of Seleucus' men had him murdered. Oh, dude. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, um, poor boy. <laughs> There's one last element of the dynasty. Yep, so how is his brother feeling right now? <laughs> well, his brother is off in Babylon trying to figure out that, oh, cool, I'm 18 now, guess I get to rule my own empire. Oh, there's no other heirs after me? That's interesting. That's fun. Yeah. Also, there's kind of an issue that the murderers of uh, Seleucus 
weren't really questioned on their motive or oh? if anyone paid them. Good old cousin slash uncle Achaeus had all the murderers executed before ah, they could be questioned. I see. So, who so knows, it did you know, great. distant yeah. relation to the royal family. Uh-huh. Maybe if there were no more direct Seleucids, he'd have to take control. Well, yeah. I guess we'll see what happens. I think at this point that so th- there's a relationship definitely between like how closely related you are to actually have a claim to the throne and how many people are there that actually like are directly in that line. Because yeah. if it's like two people, then like go ahead. Basically, Achaeus is looking at the line of succession and it goes Seleucus Third, Antiochus Third, me. And he thinks, hmm... This seems like a nice plan. Okay, let's go for it. The problem is that Antiochus III, as we're going to call him, is off in Babylon, so he's far away from the army and away from Achaeus' direct control, but we'll have to figure out what happens to our boy Antiochus and who's going to be the one controlling this boy king, because we're clearly not doing great anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're at the lowest point of the dynasty. It's been only a hundred years since Alexander the Great died. And everything is crumbling into nothing. Fun. So there we go. This was a quick episode. (laughs) Okay, everybody, that's it. Goodbye. Uh, We're done. (laughs) See you next week. No, he must raid him. He might... (laughs) Let's see if he's the worst guy or if there's somebody worse than him. Right. I feel like this will take longer than the episode itself. (laughs) Uh, Let's go over everything again. Because I feel like... Yes. We need to give people a run for their uh, time. <laughs> Don't worry, next episode is long. You can consider that. Because we have suddenly a bunch of sources, because there is a certain red-colored country in the West that takes an interest. Ooh. But we'll find out. I see. Oh, also, incidentally, since this is a short episode, let me just tell you. For those of you that have listened to the Totalis Rankium episode from the point of view of the elephants... Oh, That one, yes, it's good. <laughs> Excellent. The one from Intelligent Speech, yes. The elephant Surus, who's the protagonist, is probably born in around this period. Ooh. And so he's either from one of the Syrian elephants from the court in Antioch, or he's from some of the elephants that Ptolemy III stole when he captured Antioch. Crossover episode! So this is where Surus comes from. <laughs> yes, just make it entirely in elephant voices. <laughs> So when you listen to that episode, you know where Cirrus comes from. Probably. I wonder how many people have listened to this episode and that episode. <laughs> eh, we'll find out. Please let us know. Okay, so off to ranking. Our first category is Final Moments. How interesting was his death? Being poisoned by some soldiers who were then later executed mysteriously after having failed a war. Yeah, he was assassinated. I... I mean, cool, interesting in the way that, like, it gives some narrative interest to what's going to happen next, I assume. Mm-hmm. Things weren't going great anyway, but I think, again, we have to blame the sources for that. If there's not much to discuss, then it's easy to dismiss it as a boring king, but it's not really yeah. his fault. He probably did a bunch of stuff. Also, the period is kind of... Iffy and the line <laughs> being very weak right now with not many heirs is just yeah instability written all over it. From this final moment, I like that it's a poisoning, which is always fun. Yeah. And I sort of would add an extra point for the fact that 
Achaeus probably had a hand in this. Yes. He's trying to hide every connection to the murderers. Mm -hmm. Not suspicious at all. So, that, what, what do you mean? Yeah. It's just, I'm just doing my job. <laughs> yeah, you'll see what happens to Achaeus next time, or what Achaeus makes happen. Mm. But, yeah, I think I'm going for a two overall. That's my um, idea. Yeah, I'll go for a two. I'm considering it to go for a three, just because it's something interesting that happened <laughs> that we have information on <laughs> like that's true fair but it it wouldn't really be fair i think so i feel like a, a two is makes sense it's for the reasons you've mentioned it is a poisoning so that's a bit interesting like it was a murder and also mm -hmm. probably a chaos did it yeah i mean it's likely come on <laughs> i'd be surprised if he didn't but poor alexander yeah poor baby alex I mean, or also this Alex. Also, he is also kind of a baby Alex. <laughs> yeah, less baby Alex. Yeah, teeny Alex. Okay, so with a two and a two, that gives us a score of two out of ten for final moments. Next category is battle hardness. How good was he at war and fighting? Uh, well, he was terrible. He lost so hard that he had to be murdered. So that's not uh, great. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> apparently, people were so mad. That he lost. That yeah, they were like, so... and that's it with you. Goodbye. <laughs> no second opportunities. Yeah. That's not ideal. And besides that, we just get news of him being 18 and becoming king, surprisingly, and having yeah. no other experience. So, yeah. Zero. I mean, he was traveling with his father for, to gain experience. That was the whole point, right? Yeah. If his dad hadn't fallen off the horse, probably would have gained more experience, but alas, that was mm. not the case. Yeah, zero. I mean, again, he got murdered because he lost. Because <laughs> he was so bad, so yeah. Okay, so with a zero and a zero, he gets a zero out of 20 for battle hardness. I mean... The weakest I, Seleucid. I don't think that's why he got murdered. Like, obviously he got murdered because Achaeus was like, uh, my turn now. You know. I mean, I guess, but if he was doing a really good job, it probably would have been harder to murder him. I guess, yeah. You, know, you don't murder your king when everything is going super well and everybody's happy. There must be true. something true, that's true. the matter. Next category is scheminess. How good was he at plots and subterfuge? Uh, we have we know nothing. no evidence of anything. Zero. He was, you know, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, eh, nothing. Sorry. So, Lucas, bye. So, with a 0 to 0, 0 out of 20 for scheminess. Next category is shock factor. How shocking was this man? Uh, uh, he eh? mixed flour in his wine, which is kind of weird. Yeah, one does point that, for does that. Does that count? One point for that, for doing that, and for us knowing that. Yes, <laughs> I had to hunt really hard because I knew it was a short episode. I was like, oh, good. One fact. Let me put it in. Great. So, yeah. Are you going for one point? I'm wondering yes. if to give it at all. Yes, I am giving mm. one point for that, for sure. Fine. I'm giving it a zero, because I don't think it's worth that much. But Wow. It's worth something. Mean. So, yeah. Zero and a one is a one out of 20 for shock factor, which makes him just a little bit better than his father for shock. <laughs> so, hooray? I guess you're better than Congrats. him in that amount? 
Next category is Aaron Shine. How good was he for the Empire overall and Iran in particular? Uh, he lost the only war he was handled. Okay, so on the upside, he confirmed his brother in control of Babylon and Antiochus kept doing a good job in Babylon. So that's nice. Right. Yeah, he kept his own brother from, like, betraying him and having even a quicker decline. Yeah, so and he also good. didn't kill his brother to destroy the yeah. dynasty entirely, so that's Which good. would have been really stupid to do. But also yeah. logical if you were threatened, but also no police stone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I am so good at explaining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, but the downside is he had an army prepared by his father for the very goal of taking back Anatolia, which was poorly he held lost by terribly. Pergamon. And he lost terribly, presumably crippling the army. And now Pergamon has had more time to consolidate its land and make sure it owns Anatolia properly. Yep. We're not getting that back. And now that he's dead, there's one Seleucid left. And that's it. Yeah. So, and between a zero and a one, I'm wondering if it deserves a one just for a not one killing because, his brother. But. Yes, a one because his brother is taking care of Babylon and is going well and he didn't like create an unnecessary civil war in that front. Not that he had much yeah. time for it, but you know. No, not really. I feel bad for the Seleucus II now because we gave him zero and he at least tried, but... Uh, Seleucus, I mean, let's face it, Seleucus III isn't going to pass his father. I don't think we need to feel no. too bad about that. Yeah, I'm going to go for one point for keeping Antiochus in Babylon, not messing that up. But the Empire is worse off than it was before, definitely. Yep. So I'm going for a one, you matching? Yes. Okay, so with a one and a one, we get a two out of 20 for Eren Shine. Next category is Face of Faces. What do you think... Uh. This man, this teen, who tried to do something and failed miserably, what do you think he looked like? Well, I'm going to need some time. Also, I'm going to need some free. inspiration, because I, what do I do now? <laughs> As per usual, in drawing this king of the Persian Empire, I am drawing mostly a horse. <laughs> and then the king might also be there. Yes, it's a horse with king attached. Maybe. Who knows? Okay, so Serial has finished their drawing. And let me see what this wonderful, Enjoy. famous, brilliant man looks like. Okay, so I've seen the preview. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> you know, okay. um, so stuff d- happened. Dear listeners. <laughs> oh, my I love that the horse okay. is just as concerned. I feel like the horse feels really bad about this. They don't know what yes. they did wrong, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, so in this scene, dear listeners, we have a horse to the left of the image that is looking very concerned, looking downwards. To the right, we have our protagonist, Seleucus III, or Alexander at the time, who's all dressed in armor, looking very concerned, wondering what what he's going to do now. <laughs> Looking downwards, in between them, there is a dot, 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 waiting to understand what just happened. And down below, there's a little skull coming up from where Seleucus II just fell off his horse and died. 
and forced his son to deal with everything and fail. I like the mood of this one. <laughs> this is very good. I love it. It's please look it up on the website. It's it's really good. <laughs> the horse looks just so sad. It's like oh, no. I know. Just like oh no, oh, I, poor I'm horse. Sorry. He didn't mean to. Okay, but now, Serial, I'm going to show you what Seleucus actually looks like, and you can tell me what you think of his face. So here is a coin made from uh, yes. the time of the oh! Please describe him. I like this. It is, as I expected, a coin just like the previous two kings. Same kind of style with a profile engraved on it. Or, you know, um, mm-hmm. a relief, a low relief of a profile. It's so... I love these because they look like actual people. Like, he looks different than his father and his father looked different than his own father. Like, and I'm sure there's a stylization on it, but, like, it has the vibe of, ah, yes, this is a person that, like, I could imagine, like, meeting. Yeah, it's always nice to see. You can... uh, I really love this. They look real and not, uh, like, the typical person. He looks very young, which makes me think that he didn't rule for that long, probably, you know. We'll given what, what we know big eyes shorter hair or like less curly hair with a diadem and straight thin nose but like smaller than the previous ones and just a uh, softer overall features which kind of makes sense since he's like you know a team probably yeah, he, he so gained you know. the throne at 18 so it's understandable that he would be <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's really good. I like these. I forget what I gave the previous ones, but I, I like giving them like relatively high scores because like, I, I love these. Yeah, the portrait is good. I think it's uh, the most important part of his reign. <laughs> that so we have like some semblance of what? others. You gave Seleucus II and Antiochus II to five, and you gave a nine to Antiochus I. Yeah, but, but that's because we had the comparison yeah, of like yeah. old and young, and that was very mm-hmm. good. I'll go with another five, I guess, just to keep it. Yeah. Another five. Yeah, I don't think I can justify more or less than that. It's not especially impressive. It's not especially disappointing. It's fair middle of the road. Yeah. Okay, so with a five and a five, he gets a 2.5 out of five for face of faces, which is pretty much what saves him. (laughs) Well. Next category is lengthiness. How long do you think this man reigned? What is your feeling? Well, he had enough time to like go to war and lose terribly. Yes. And enough to like communicate to his brother, hey, let's do this partnership thing. I'm going to give him like mm-hmm. a year and a half. A year and a half might actually be the case because we don't, you know, the months <gasps> are, are messy. <laughs> we have like oh, two no. years. We have okay. two ish years of rain from 225 to 223. That's it. After one year, I'm counting full years, so it might even be a year and a half. I'm just counting two. (laughs) But yeah, fair enough understanding there. So if we take two years divided by 10, that gives us 0.2 out of 5 points for lengthiness. Which leads us to the final score, which is to say a total of 7.7 out of 100 for Seleucus III Karaunos. Which puts him firmly at the top of the Zeros Club. So he's better than Philip Aridaeus, Alexander IV, and Xerxes II. But he is worse than Seleucus II and Artaxerxes IV. Which, yeah. 
feels a bit harsh towards Philip Aridaeus, actually, but... Eh, you know. Poor Philip. Yeah, he deserved better. <laughs> the poor man was just was happy doing other things. But yeah, no. never wanted this to begin with. Yeah. I'm sure Seleucus III also probably would have been happier waiting a few more years, but... <laughs> well... <laughs> Things what happen. can you do? But are we ready to judge if he is interesting, fascinating, brilliant enough to be a shot? You Shah? always try to sell it so much. No. You always like do your, your very best to be like, oh, but maybe this I time. Try. But maybe. <laughs> well, see, maybe he's so bad that it's memorable. We don't know. I mean, that would be very funny. Honestly, that might happen at some point. I feel like Didius Julianus is the type of person that's so bad it's memorable. But, oh, yes. You know. I remember him, so... <laughs> yeah, see? Yeah, I... Unless you have a special affection for him, I don't think I would remember him or notice him if I hadn't done the research. No. And most of the research was on what's going on in Anatolia, so... Shahana. Yeah, sorry. Shahana. Okay, so sorry, Seleucus Three. You can go off into the desert, tell your dad, Seleucus II, that no, you didn't manage to make it. Sorry, dad. But to be fair, you didn't have died. any training. So yeah, there we go. The horse is very concerned. <laughs> he was very sad. The horse wants you to know that he's sorry. <laughs> he didn't mean it. The road was messy. It happens. So yeah, that is the end of today's episode. Thanks for listening to this... Uh, penultimate Seleucid of his line. And we'll see what happens next with his little brother Antiochus, who is also oh, yes. an 18-year-old coming to the throne. Also Sarah, with no what are heirs. your predictions for Antiochus? He... Antiochus has no heirs, no brothers, nobody in his family. He's in Babylon, he's 18, and Achaeus um, just murdered his brother, probably. I think Achaeus is going to send some messengers to deliver... Mm -hmm. A very strongly worded note that essentially says, shut your stupid mouth and die already. <laughs> <laughs> Smiles. <Yes. laughs> no, but you know, I feel like some assassin is going to be sent his way. Okay. Well, we'll see next time on the episode for Antiochus III. Do we get exactly three Antiochuses and three Seleucuses? That would be poetic. Tune in next week to find out. And also, in the meantime, if you have time and you've been enjoying the episodes, please take the time to rate us and review us wherever your podcast app is. That helps more people come and know us. Or otherwise, just tell your friends that we exist and maybe yeah. give us a listen. They Share the joy us. that this, th this podcast is. Uh, por porcast? Yes. <laughs> Share the joy that we are. We're professionals. No, we're not. Totally. We're really not. Well, yeah. So, I guess... Without further ado, we wish you a nice week, and we'll see you next time for Antiochus III. Take care, everybody. And, yeah, can't wait to see what is going... You said it's a long episode, so I... I I'm very curious now. <laughs> Find out why. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.